Chapter Three of Fame and Fortune. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Fame and Fortune, or the Progress of Richard Hunter, by Horatio Alger Jr. Chapter Three, at the Post Office. The New York Post Office is built of brick, and was formerly a church. It is a shabby building. And quite unworthy of so large and important a city. Of course, Dick was quite familiar with its general appearance, but as his correspondence had been very limited, he had never had occasion to ask for letters. There were several letters in box five thousand six seventy. Dick secured these, and turning round to go out, his attention was drawn to a young gentleman of about his own age, who, from his consequential air, appeared to feel his own importance in no slight degree. He recognized him at once as Roswell Crawford, a boy who had applied unsuccessfully for the place which Fosdick obtained in Henderson's hat and cap store. Roswell recognized Dick at the same time, and perceiving that our hero was well dressed, concluded to speak to him, though he regarded Dick as infinitely beneath him in the social scale on account of his former employment. He might not have been so condescending, but he was quite curious to learn what Dick was about. I haven't seen you for some time," he said in a patronizing tone. "No," said Dick, "and I haven't seen you for some time either, which is a very curious coincidence." "How's boot blacking now?" inquired Roswell, with something of a sneer. "Tip top," said Dick, not at all disturbed by Roswell's manner. "I do it wholesale now, and have been obliged to hire a large building on Pearl Street to transact my business in." You see them letters? They're all from wholesale customers. I congratulate you on your success," said Roswell in the same disagreeable manner. "Of course, that's all humbug. I suppose you've got a place." "Yes," said Dick. "Who are you with?" "Rockwell and Cooper on Pearl Street." "How did you get it?" asked Roswell, appearing surprised. "Did they know you'd been a boot black?" Of course they did. I should think they would have taken you. Why not? There are not many firms that would hire a boot black when they could have plenty of boys from nice families. Perhaps they might have secured your services if they'd applied," said Dick good-humoredly. "I've got a place," said Roswell, in a rather important manner. I'm very glad I didn't go into Henderson's hat and cap store. I've got a better situation. Have you? Said Dick. I'm glad to hear it. I'm always happy to hear that my friends are rising in the world. You needn't class me among your friends," said Roswell superciliously. "No, I won't," said Dick. "I'm going to be particular about my associates now that I'm getting up in the world." Do you mean to insult me? Demanded Roswell haughtily. "No," said Dick. "I wouldn't on any account. I should be afraid you want to fight me a duel, and that wouldn't be convenient, for I haven't made my will, and I'm afraid my heirs would quarrel over my extensive property." "How much do you get a week?" asked Roswell, thinking it best to change the subject. "Ten dollars," said Dick. "Ten dollars!" ejaculated Roswell. That's a pretty large story. You needn't believe it if you don't want to," said Dick. "That won't make any difference to me as long as they pay me reg'lar. 
Ten dollars? Why, I never heard of such a thing, exclaimed Roswell, who only received four dollars a week himself, and thought he was doing well. Do you think I'd give up a lucrative business for less? asked Dick. How much do you get? That's my business, said Roswell, who, for reasons that may be guessed, didn't care to mention the price for which he was working. Judging Dick by himself, he thought it would give him a chance to exult over him. I suppose it is, said Dick, but as you was so particular to find out how much I got, I thought I'd inquire. You're trying to deceive me. I don't believe you get more than three dollars a week. Don't you? Is that what you get? I get a great deal more. I'm happy to hear it. I can find out how much you get if I want to. You've found out already. I know what you say, but I've got a cousin in Rockwell and Cooper's. Have you? said Dick, a little surprised. Who is it? It's the bookkeeper. Mr. Gilbert? Yes. He's been there five years. I'll ask him about it. You'd better, as you're so anxious to find out. Mr. Gilbert is a friend of mine. He spoke only this morning of my valuable services. Roswell looked incredulous. In fact, he did not understand Dick at all, nor could he comprehend his imperturbable good humor. There were several things he had said which would have offended most boys, but Dick met them with a careless good humor. And an evident indifference to Roswell's good opinion, which piqued and provoked that young man. It must not be supposed that while this conversation was going on, the boys were standing in the post office. Dick understood his duty to his employers too well to delay unnecessarily while on an errand, especially when he was sent to get letters, some of which might be of an important and urgent nature. The two boys had been walking up Nassau Street together, and they had now reached Printing House Square. There are some of your old friends, said Roswell, pointing to a group of ragged boot blacks who were on the alert for customers, crying to each passer, Shine your boots? Yes, said Dick. I know them all. No doubt, sneered Roswell. They're friends to be proud of. I'm glad you think so, said Dick. They're a rough set, he continued, more earnestly. But there's one of them at least that's ten times better than you or I. Speak for yourself, if you please, said Roswell haughtily. I'm speaking for both of us, said Dick. There's one boy there, only twelve years old, that supported his sick mother and sister for more than a year, and that's more good than ever you or I did. How are you, Tom? he said, nodding to the boy of whom he had spoken. Tip top, Dick, said a bright looking boy. Who kept as clean as his avocation would permit. Have you given up business? Yes, Tom. I'll tell you about it some other time. I must get back to Pearl Street with these letters. How's your mother? She ain't much better, Dick. Buy her some oranges. They'll do her good. And Dick slipped half a dollar into Tom's hand. Thank you, Dick. She'll like them, I know. But you oughtn't to give so much. What's half a dollar to a man of my fortune? said Dick. Take care of yourself, Tom. I must hurry back to the store. Roswell was already gone. His pride would not permit him to stand by while Dick was conversing with the boot black. He felt that his position would be compromised. As for Dick, 
he was so well dressed that nobody would know that he had ever been in that business. The fact is, Roswell, like a great many other people, was troubled with a large share of pride, though it might have puzzled himself to explain what he had to be proud of. Had Dick been at all like him, he would have shunned all his former acquaintances, and taken every precaution against having it discovered that he had ever occupied a similar position. But Dick was above such meanness. He could see that Tom, for instance, was far superior in all that constituted manliness to Roswell Crawford, and, boot-black though he was, he prepared to recognize him as a friend. When Dick reached the store, he did not immediately see Mr. Rockwell. He accordingly entered the counting-room where Gilbert, the bookkeeper, was seated at a desk. "'Here are the letters, Mr. Gilbert,' said Dick. "'Lay them down,' said the bookkeeper sourly. "'You've been gone long enough. How many did you drop on the way?' "'I didn't know I was expected to drop any,' said Dick. "'If I had been told to do so, I would have obeyed orders cheerfully.' Mr. Gilbert was about to remark that Dick was an impudent young rascal, when the sudden entrance of Mr. Rockwell compelled him to suppress the observation, and he was obliged to be content with muttering it to himself. "'Back already, Richard,' said his employer pleasantly. "'Where are the letters?' "'Here, sir,' said Dick. "'Very well. You may go to Mr. Murdoch and see what he can find for you to do.' Mr. Rockwell sat down to read his letters, and Dick went as directed to the head clerk. "'Mr. Rockwell sent me to you, Mr. Murdoch.' he said. He says you will find something for me to do. "'Oh, yes, we'll keep you busy,' said the head clerk, with a manner very different from that of the bookkeeper. "'At present, however, your duties will be of a rather miscellaneous character. We shall want you partly for an entry clerk, and partly to run to the post-office, bank, and so forth.' "'All right, sir,' said Dick. "'I'm ready to do anything that's required of me. I want to make myself useful.' "'That's the right way to feel, my young friend.' Some boys are so big-feeling, and put on so many airs, that you'd think they were partners in the business, instead of beginning at the lowest round of the ladder. A while ago, Mr. Gilbert brought round a cousin of his, about your age, that he wanted to get in here. But the young gentleman was altogether too lofty to suit me, so we didn't take him. Was the boy's name Roswell Crawford? Yes. Do you know him? Not much. He thinks I'm too far beneath him for him to associate with. But he was kind enough to walk up Nassau Street with me this morning, just to encourage me a little. That was kind in him, certainly, said the head clerk, smiling. Unless I am very much mistaken, you will be able to get along without his patronage. I hope so, said Dick. The rest of the day Dick was kept busy in various ways. He took hold with a will, and showed himself so efficient that he made a favorable impression upon everyone in the establishment, except the bookkeeper. For some reason or other, Mr. Gilbert did not like Dick, and was determined to oust him from his situation if an opportunity should offer. End of chapter 3